Hey friends, just a quick note before we hop into today's episode of the podcast. Majority of you guys listening right now have not given us a follow and a five-star review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, and it takes legitimately between five and 10 seconds to hit the follow button, hit the five-star review button. So I'd greatly appreciate you guys doing so if you have not done so already. And then something all of you guys can do right now is share today's episode with a friend, a family member, a teammate, someone who you think would find value and benefit from it. I would greatly appreciate you guys doing that, sharing the podcast, sharing today's episode with someone, because through that, we can expand the show and reach new people and hopefully through that, inspire them in the process. Without further ado, let's get into today's conversation. Graham Blanks, back on the podcast. The people asked, we deliver. Had you back on in June. Had a great time as we were just discussing before hitting the record button. How are you doing this afternoon? Pretty good. Excited to be back. You may or may not have noticed this, but I'm pretty congested decently sick i just i sound weird i gotta ask Me you bro. Too. oh okay buddies buddies so let's we go have the same thing probably i'm curious any fun training through sickness stories have you been stupid and like done crazy oh. workouts amid sickness or are you the type of guy that like cuddles up in a ball on the couch and doesn't get your training in no i, I was for sure the stubborn uh stubborn freshman who trained through uh trained through sickness i think i got the flu like uh, maybe like twice somehow my freshman year. It's probably COVID, but who knows? I, I, I got some crazy sickness twice freshman year, and I remember, uh, you know, like breaking fever or whatever, like the night before, you know, like when you're asleep and you just get really hot and start sweating and stuff, you don't sleep at all. I remember doing that, uh, waking up the next morning and then going to practice and running like a tempo run, which was just stupid. Probably set me back two weeks, but... Definitely was never the type to be smart and uh, and actually recover. I think I am now, but uh, you know I'm I'm sick right now and I'm still running. So who who knows if I'm doing the right thing or not? But is, I'm just starting training back up, so nothing too crazy. Is that something you're you and your teammates are pretty aware of amidst the season? Like everyone, stay healthy. We need everyone. We don't want any last minute sicknesses because like I feel like within reason you can control injuries, right? Like you can stay on top of recovery. You can make sure you're not like doing too much stimulus too quickly. But like sickness, you know, you go to a massive university, who knows what the people have around you? Like how aware of that are you? No, yeah. I mean, like the universities are just like cesspools for, for sicknesses, like especially freshman year when you haven't been around like all these people from different places, like all around the country and the world, like you're just bound to get sick. Like it's just like a matter of when. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's definitely something we like are like cognizant of, like, uh, I mean, for sure, like you said with injuries, like sleeping is, is huge for us and stuff, um, you know, eating, but not getting sick is something that's kind of hard to control. I mean, like, basically, I just have like no friends uh, outside the team. So <laughs> that's how I kind of stay not getting sick because uh, we're all kind of in the same areas with each other. Um, so maybe I should expand my my friends horizons and, <laughs> and stuff like that. We mentioned, we talked about this uh, before hitting the record button, that your first episode, I think, was like the first ever time in the history of the podcast, like over 300 episodes at this point. First and only thus far that alcohol has been brought up. It was brought up in relation to you were in like kind of the off season at that point. And I'd asked you, like, what do you do when you're not running? And I think you said, like, you know, I like to have a couple cold ones. Now that you're kind of in off season, kind of getting back to it, uh, have you have you had the opportunity to celebrate a little recent accomplishments? No, yeah, I definitely got got to celebrate plenty like over the past like two or three weeks. Get it out of the system. I mean, uh, you know, it's nice to nice to act like a normal college student uh, every now and then. 
Um, and, you know, coming back home to Athens is certainly a, a, just a terrible influence on me because this is kind of just like a college town more so than Cambridge is. So um, definitely trying to, uh, you know, uh, get, it, get it out of the system because it's about to be, a, you know, it's going to be a long season, like all the way until like June, July. So it's, it's nice to just like relax for now um, before like a long buildup and a long, long churn. Athens is where University of Georgia is located. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I need to hear from a Georgia fan. Do you feel snubbed that they weren't in the college football playoff? See, I was talking about this with my friends last night. Like, it's where, like, you know, if we had, uh, I don't know, if we had, uh, you know, if you pick the four best teams in the country, UGA should be there. I mean, they're they're one of the four best teams, but I think everyone that's a Georgia fan recognizes, like, they don't deserve it. Like, we lost Alabama. Uh it was in our control. You know, honestly, I don't see too many uh, Georgia fans complaining about it. Um, so I'm pretty proud of that, at least. Um, do feel bad for FSU, though. Is it nice to be back in Athens where, I don't want to say your friends and family don't care about your running, but it's probably a nice way to kind of detach yourself mentally and emotionally from the sport more than you would if you were in, you know, Boston? No, it is nice because my, my friends here have, like, no idea what's what's going on with me. I mean, like, I just... Uh, I call. I mean, I called a friend last night too, who who's from here, but he's out of town, and he's just like, "Yeah, man, how how you doing? I uh, I heard you. Uh, he's like, are you winning a couple races or something? Like, I, <laughs> I saw something. I was like, yeah, yeah, I won a couple races. So it's nice that we don't have uh, as many running nerds around here. But uh, you know, I'm a I'm a self proclaimed running nerd myself. Uh, so it's it's nice being up in Boston where the the community is really strong. But it's also nice being down here with with people that see me as just like a, just a friend. And that's basically it. And a guy who's won a couple of races or whatever. <laughs> you mentioned, you know, it's going to be a long churn, long season. June, July is the focus. How important do you think it is to start off things slow, ease into things and, you know, really exercise the virtue of, of patience. Here's where we dive into philosophy, Graham. Yeah. No, I mean, big time. Cause I mean, I think, uh, you know, I think physical burnout's a big a big thing, uh, for sure. But I think that's something that is kind of under the control of like my coach. So it's something like I I trust is not going to happen. Um, I've certainly never really been physically burnt out like while while here at Harvard. Um, you know, uh, yeah. I mean, honestly, I don't think I have. So like, I'm not really worried about the about the like the actual training aspect. Like, I I trust my training and, and stuff like that. Um, the really hard part is like emotional burnout. So like, if you're just like burning really hot, really early in the season, like running, you know, a bunch of races, which I will, I'll I'll run every, I'll run all the races I can get, but you know, it's, it's something that you kind of have to be a little more uh, calm headed early on. Um, otherwise you're just toast like by the end, like, and that's happened to me in the past, just where I get a little too hyped up too early, um, you know, turn out some really hard workouts uh, a little, but maybe like go run a little too fast and prescribe paces and stuff just because I'm excited. So that's something I'm going to try to work on uh, this season, uh, just to see, like you know, just so I can have a slow build up into to July, um, but also get to run a you know two NCAA championships, which are always always great to do. Going back to our conversation in June or July, whenever it took place, if I was to tell that version of Graham that he'd win the NCAA title on the grass and run a collegiate record indoors in the 5K, 1303, would he have believed me? I think so, yeah. I was going to say, I honestly think so. 
Most guests, when I ask them that question after they do big things, they say no. But it was kind of an interesting conversation because I think I asked you, like, what do you think it's going to take to go to the next level? And you seemed very locked in, as I like to call it, zero dark 30 mode. You seemed in zero dark 30 mode. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I knew it was going to be a good, I mean, I knew it was going to be a good season because, you know, it seems like I figured some stuff out outdoors and then. You know, when you called me, I was in Boston with some some good training partners, so I I knew I was going to get good training. Um, Obviously, if you told me that, I'd be over the moon. Like I'd be like, um, I would have known it was possible, but you know, you know, it's never it's never for granted. So I mean, I would have been hyped if you were that that genie that could tell me that. But uh, it's something I would definitely believe. uh, But still, you know, still all all of this still feels surreal. Don't get me wrong. What was kind of the build-up and lead-up into the season itself, even before the season? What were some things you were doing over the summer to take yourself to the next level? Like, as we discussed last time, you were second in the country. We had a discussion, you know, how do you kind of eclipse all the way up to the top of the NCAA? What are some things you think you did? It doesn't even have to be, like, physically, but maybe even, like, mindset shifts that you think helped propelled you. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know. With with training, it was just, like, same old, same old uh you know, if if anything, maybe even a little more calm than the summer before. Uh, just kind of like, just trying to get through the training like pretty emotionlessly. Uh, I don't think that really made it. I mean, it, it was honestly just. Uh, I don't know. I mean, the the training was great. Don't get me wrong. And I think that got me uh, to where to where I got this season. But you know, maybe just uh, coming into the season a little more confident. Um, and then being able to have consistent training over like a couple of years and to, to continue to build confidence, like it's just kind of like an, an almost an exponential thing. So and once uh, once you stack like a big race on top of another big race, just kind of builds and builds. Um, and so, you know, that takes me to indoor season. So ho- hopefully I can tr- continue to build on that with even after this break. So um, and we'll see how long I can keep building on on big performances. Do you think that second place finish, the NCAA championship, and then the 1303, do you think that's all a culmination of years of hard work and like you're finally starting to, like the, to use a philosophical analogy, like the hammer on the rock, like the rock finally broke after the thousandth hit? Or do you think it was just something new or quite frankly, like luck um, is how you accomplish those things? Yeah. No, I think so. I think, I think it's a little bit of both. Like, I mean, if you if you continue to train at a high level for like multiple years, like so, something's gonna happen. Like a, a, something has to give at some point. Um, but you know, also on the other hand, NCAA is kind of like a a little bit of a crapshoot. Like, I mean, you see, I mean, you can just look at like people who are like around me in high school, and like there's a lot of variance in like in collegiate success just just for like random reasons. Uh, so obviously, like I'm super super lucky to have at least like maybe found like a coach whose training really clicks with me um found like a good training environment because everything's been pretty pretty great for me so far so I I don't really have a reason not um to have run as as well as I have just because I got super lucky with like with my uh choice to come here uh to Harvard uh but yeah definitely a little bit of it's a it's a mix of uh training consistency and and luck I'd say so you said that this past summer wasn't anything new wasn't anything flashy in fact it may have been even a bit easier than the summer before what i'm curious about graham speak as much as you can here uh for reasons you'll understand in a minute did you hit any prs in the bench any lifting prs throughout the in summer? the bench absolutely not i was sandbagging every lift uh <laughs> we yeah we're not a, not a big uh you know i i 
not a big lifting program, I would say. But don't you guys um, do like lifting in the workouts? We talked about that. Oh, I can't. Well, I can't speak on that. Uh, <laughs> That's what I mean. Did you PR in the workouts in the lifting part? Or just no comment? Can't say. Tra- training secrets at Harvard. Cannot say. <laughs> so people. Yeah, people when are these going to come out? When are these going to come out? When are the secrets going to come out? After Gibby retires, when you're like 80 and write a book? like Yeah. I mean, it had to be something like that. I mean, we're, I mean, no one's stopping you from getting a private investigator uh, going to sneak into like one of our long runs out in the woods, see what's really going on. But, you know, I can't speak on those secret training, training things. I mean, that's how we get ahead. <laughs> Let me ask you this. What are the odds this is all fabricated and that Harvard guys just came together and were like, let's just run with the most hilarious story of all time. And you guys have just run with it. And now people believe you, but it doesn't actually happen. Well, I can't put the odds down because I know the truth. So <laughs> I'll put that I, maybe just like 50-50. I don't know. I'm trying to remain neutral on this. Okay, if you were in my shoes um, or someone from the public shoes and you heard – pro- let, let me put it this way. In high school, if you heard a college program was doing this, would you have believed them? At least the myths. The myths. You don't have to confirm anything. But the myths of a program lifting within workouts, would you have believed it? I would. Be- I would believe it. Really? I would believe it. It's so yeah, unorthodox. Who knows, what they're doing? who knows what these guys are doing nowadays? You gotta have a, you know, you gotta, you gotta evolve the training and stuff. <laughs> gotta find a way to get ahead. Always be changing everything, you know. Maybe uh, start some beef here. Uh, outside of Harvard, what you guys do? You can't really speak to that. Do, have you heard of any other weird, crazy stuff that other programs do? That you're like, what the heck? Like triple thresholds, or I don't even, yeah, yeah, I don't yeah, even yeah. know. I mean, I've, I've seen a bunch of programs switching a double threshold, which, you know, that's not something like I personally would, would want to do just because like, I like to do, I, I, we like, I mean, we put a big emphasis on our workout days at Harvard, like where we'll have like big, obviously single work, single day workouts where you can like run really fast and like do stuff that kind of like, that like impresses yourself almost in a way. Cause we're just kind of like ripping stuff sometimes. But I feel like with the double threshold thing, you just don't really get to do that as much. It's just like a little, a little boring. And I get it. Like that's how, that's why it's designed is just to get more work in um, at a little, a slightly less intense level. Um, so I'm certainly not calling it beef. I mean, I know, I know NAU has their like altitude chamber, which I think is like, that's crazy. Like they're they're running like, I don't know what they're doing or what I've what I've heard. You you would have to ask one of them, but they have that altitude chamber. I think. I heard from someone that like they'll do like they'll like bring the altitude chamber to like basically lower lower level like lower than Flagstaff in the mornings like three thousand feet or something do a tempo run you know leave go to class and the whole day they'll suck more oxygen out of the room and then when they get back it's like set at like ten thousand feet or something and then they do another tempo run I've I've heard that you you can you can be the one to get the rumors dispelled or confirmed so. But I think that's pretty nuts. I mean, running a tempo run at ten thousand feet, like, whew, I've run a, a run at ten thousand feet, and that that felt like a race. So, uh, yeah, respect to them if they're doing that. I do know NAU does a lot of double threshold stuff. I think Mike kind of honestly popularized it a little bit in the collegiate system. Um, what's most interesting to me though is they'll do generally the morning session on the track, like five by mile, and then oh, they'll okay. do the PM session, at least for a lot of the sessions, morning session track, and then PM session on the treadmill. 
and I don't know if that room is like a altitude chamber. I'm, I'm, mm. I have no clue, but I know that okay. NAU completely redid their athletic department. Um, not a th- like um athletic facility. Facilities, yeah. And they have like those crazy nice like super multi thousand dollar treadmills, whatever they're yeah. called. You know what I'm talking about? Um, the woodways. Or yeah, something. yeah, the woodways. And I'm like, I don't know. I I wouldn't want to. Maybe it's because I've only run on like super cheap treadmills over the years, but I wouldn't want to work out on a treadmill. I don't no, know. I'm not a big treadmill guy either. Yeah, yeah. How bad does the weather have to be for you to hop on the treadmill? Dude, Gibby, uh, Coach Gibby never lets us get on the treadmill ever. Like really? even when it's yeah, even when it's like actively snowing. So, you know, obviously we have some guys who complain about that. I mean, like, and I and I don't really. You know, sometimes the weather's like so bad. I'm like, dude, I there's no point in me going outside right now. Like, I'm just gonna slip around. But uh, Gibby like still like wants us to go out there. Um, to be honest, it's led to some really good memories. Um, some really <laughs> some really hard training runs. But yeah, you'll get like I tell the freshmen like you'll get like two or three days in the winter where you go out for a run and it's like just impossible. Like it's just impossible to run. But I think. Maybe Gabby thinks they're like built. Is that a, yeah, for, is that a David Goggins? Is he trying to It's got to be some David Goggins shit. I don't know what he's watching on his TikTok, so <laughs> that made him want to do that. Uh, but yeah, so that that's always that's always kind of fun, I guess. Um, but yeah, I basically never we never run on the treadmill. I say this, but I ran on the treadmill like two days ago because I had an exam at nine a.m. and I just like didn't feel like uh, you know going outside and coming back in my dorm. Because we have a treadmill in the dorm, so I was just like, whatever. Not not in my dorm, in the in the dorm's gym. Right. That'd be pretty sweet, though. <laughs> I'd be a big dorm treadmill. Yeah. yeah. So on those runs where like two runs a year, where it's like literally impossible to run outside, what's maintenance pace look like? You keeping it, or is it a sprint? Yeah, to keep it? it doesn't it doesn't exist. So that and that's why we kind of like it. You know, you get a little uh, lower pace, but the effort is like three times as hard. Uh, you know, sometimes you'll be running like. I mean, the time, the times are when it's b- bad is when you're running, like when it's been like, let's say we have practice at three, say it's been snowing all day relentlessly. And then, then you go to practice. So like, there's like inches of snow on the ground. So you're just like running through snow. Like that's impossible. Like you're running probably 730 per mile. The other time that's bad is like when it's like sleeting rain and it's just like slippery on the ground. So no maintenance pace that day, but uh, I mean the effort is is surely there, if not more. Take me through Nutty Come taking a win there. I feel like I feel like people weren't really talking about you going into the race, despite placing second on the track. I think it was kind of like a throw up. Kai was talked about a lot. Nico was talked about a lot. It was Nico's first race back. Drew was talked about a lot. He won the early season Virginia meet. Grand Blanks steals the show in the rain and mud of Wisconsin. Take me through that race and and what it meant to you. Hey, you raise a good point with the rain and the mud. Maybe those uh, those snow runs actually helped. So there you go. Um, See, Gibby knows what he's doing. Yeah, yeah, he does. Um, no, I, I mean that was obviously like a, a huge a huge win. I was super excited to win it. Um, you know, I went into the race wanting to win it, but you know, I wasn't I wasn't expecting expecting myself to like a hundred percent. Like I I knew I just I would have a good sh- shot at it. Um, you know, like a couple weeks before I won. Battle in Beantown, which, you know, used to be a, a big race, but it's kind of a little bit smaller now. Um, but, I, you know, I ran I ran super well there, and I it'll, I kind of surprised myself a little there with with my fitness level. So I was like, um, I was thinking, like, you know, I, c- I can win this. So, um, but that was, that was an epic race, dude. I mean, watching that back, that was probably one of my, that might have been my favorite race of the whole, 
the whole uh, season. Like, I mean, obviously NCAA's was great, but uh, man, like Nutty come like one kilometer left, and there's like, I mean, there's like twenty dudes. Like, it was insane. Like, and I I was looking around like, damn, like when's this gonna thin out? Because you know, normally in the these like collegiate races, it's like things start to pick up about halfway through, and then you have like a group of five or something with with a K left, but like. Just because of the rain and stuff, the the race was a little bit slower, um, especially going up and down those hills. It was, it was slippery. So, yeah, KLF, we have 20 people. Um, I was thinking about maybe going with a K to go, um, going into the race, just because um, I feel like I'm a little better with his drawn-out kicks. Um, but, you know, the there's this one hill on the back end of the, the course that was just, like, just destroyed from the rain. Um, and you know, we had the women run before us, so it was already destroyed by them as well. Um, so yeah, I mean, that was, I, I was just like, I'm not going to go off alone on those hills and stuff. Cause I'm going to, I'm going to fall or something. So yeah, just sat in the pack, got up and over the hill. And then like, right when we got to the bottom, I just, I just hit the gas. Cause, um, you know, if I wanted to go with a K to go, like you'd imagine, like, I just want to go as soon as the hill was over. So that, that was like 500 meters out, I think, um, yeah, running up that shoe was really cool. I mean, you see videos of like, man, like you see, you see videos of like uh, Justin Knight going up that straight or like Morgan McDonald. Like, that's a, a really, really uh, iconic course. So going up that straight, you'd imagine I was, I'd be pretty amped, but no, I was just waiting for someone to pass me the whole time. So <laughs> never really, never really believed I was gonna win it until I crossed the line. Um, but yeah, that was really cool, and and the team performance was unbelievable. I mean, I think we got like sixth or something. Um, so that was definitely like our best performance of, of the year. And that, and that was probably the best part. The straightaway looks so extremely long. It's like a step down from Laverne Gibson. It looks like how long does it actually feel when you're running the straightaway to go to the finish? Well, it depends on the, depends on the race. I mean, uh, last year it felt like probably 800 meters this year. It felt like 300. So, which I think is about how long it is. Um, but it's tough, dude. I mean, it's, uh, it's uphill a little bit and, you know, when you can see straight for 300 meters, like, oh man, that's, that's really rough. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a, it's a, it's for sure like a, a really cool finish, but definitely one that that's not easy. Let's talk about the national meet before we get into the national meet. I'm curious, like that was your first race on the Virginia course, if I'm not mistaken, were there any worries or doubts with that, given that other guys, other big contenders, you know, NAU, Oklahoma State, the rest of them had all like run on that course before, if I'm not mistaken, maybe not OSU, um, but a lot of yeah. them had. Uh, I mean, there's always like a, a few doubts that like you're not going to be as prepared. I mean, it's maybe like a, I mean, it's definitely like a slight competitive advantage um, to have seen the course, but not one that I really think like makes a, a massive difference. Um, Cause like, you know, I still, I still watch videos of races there like throughout the fall. Um, I definitely like study the course a lot. Like, I mean, I, I mapped it out on my, like on my, on my phone, on footpath, like with like, so I can see like the hills and stuff and like where, where, to, where the turns are. Um, so I was, I was definitely ready and to a point where it's basically, I, I had run the course before. Um, and then you get to pre-race the course the day before, and that's when you can really feel things out. But like, you know, you never, without running the course, you don't really know how it feels on your body. And that's like the main difference. So I wasn't really ready for, you know, there's like some hills that like on the pre-race, they don't look that bad. But like when you're on race pace, like it, uh, you know, they, they hurt a little more. So, um, it's really just, 
I mean, yeah, that, that's basically the only d- difference it makes is if you don't know how it's going to feel on your body on that day, but cross country is already so chaotic in the, in the first place. Like why not throw in that other, that other factor? Fuck it. You know, let's, let's have some fun. So, um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's a, it's a beautiful course. I mean, I, I loved it and maybe I'm a little biased, but you know, <laughs> that's definitely, that might be my favorite cross country course I've, I've run. So before we get into the rates itself, I'm curious, I want to hear about, um, what you did at NXN, but also what you did at this meet, you'll know what I'm talking about. Describe it for the listener. What does that mean? Describe it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, you yeah. can watch a video of it, but because it's yeah, a audio I mean, podcast. It's, uh, if you can't tell what it is, it's the thumb trick. So I, I break off my thumb, you know, and then it, I turn it into a grenade, throw it, explodes, and then reveal the H on my chest. I, I don't know. I just kind of came up with that like the night before um, NXN in high school just because I was like, you know, people are going to be watching me at home. Um, you know, they're, they're going to put a camera on my face on the line. Like, and I've seen like the, they always do that at NXN. Like they walk across the line, like show everyone and everyone like does something. So I was like, I gotta be prepared. Um, so did that just, I don't know how I came up with that. Um, yeah, just keep, I just kept doing it. Cause like, you know, since a bunch of people saw me do that at NXN, I thought it'd be funny to keep doing it. Like freshman year, uh, at Harvard, like, I mean, I did that at Tallahassee and then did it the next year at uh, Stillwater and then did it this year <laughs> at UVA. So it's definitely something I, I got to keep doing. Uh, maybe come up with a new magic trick, though. Who knows? Did you do that indoor 5K or is that strictly a cross thing? I don't think I did it indoor. F- oh, no, I actually probably did. But you don't really see it as well because they don't they don't like sh- like move the camera across like they do at uh, cross country. So. Um, I probably did it. I don't know if it, if it got caught on the, on the stream though or not. You make it to the Olympics 2024. You doing that on the start line of the 5k final. No doubt. No <laughs> doubt. I would do that. I that would, would go to, hard man. with the USA Jersey, bro. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Oh, yeah, that's a dream. Let's go through the race itself. Take me through uh 10, 10 K of pain. Um, I guess before the full race, how fast did 229 through 800 feel? I mean, you guys that, do I like, mean, I feel like a lot of K's in practice and like 230 ish. You're prepared. Yeah, no, no, no. We, we prepare for it. And, like, you know, we do workouts where we'll, like, open up with, like, uh, we call it buffering sessions. So, like, we'll, like, do, like, training where we'll open up uh, the workout with, like, two by 800, basically, like, two flat on grass. So, not not easy. Like, two flat on grass is, I mean, two flat on a track is, like, super hard. So, so two flat on grass is just, like, I mean, it's ridiculously hard. So I'm also I realizing trained. real quick that I said 229 through the 800. I wish that was oh, the case. Oh, okay. Yeah. Two, uh, it was like one. It was like 229 through the K, I think. Yeah, 229 through the K. So something like I was ready for, and something I was, I was used to from the, I mean, from the previous two years. Because dude, these races always open up at 229, and like, I mean, the past, you know, this year, the year before, in Stillwater, and then Tallahassee, my freshman year those were all downhill starts. So, you know, it's something I'm used to, um, but it's something you don't get used to. <laughs> so like, like I, I've done it before, but it's still, it always hurts. But, you know, just being in that situation before, it's like, I know like, you know, my body's going to recover, you know, by at least a mile or something like, like it's not going to be, it's not going to be comfortable and it's not supposed to. Um, but yeah, I mean, that was, we were cooking for sure. Uh, and it, yeah, it's, it's crazy, like, looking back at those splits, like, you know, you probably, you know, being in that race, you don't even realize you're running that fast because the adrenaline is just so high um, in the moment. How nervous 
do people get before the race? How nervous were you feeling before the race? What's kind of like the atmosphere? I know you just spoke to adrenaline there, which is what reminded me of it. Like, what what are the pre-race nerves and feelings? Like warming up, doing drills, doing strides, hearing yeah. the um, details from the you know guy who shoots the gun. What's it like? Yeah, I mean it's nerve it's nerve wracking and it's but it's also something you get used to. Like like once you figure out like you know once you just get comfortable with this situation. So um, it's definitely something I think I've gotten. I've gotten better at It's something I think like me and like Acer uh, have got uh, are better at than some of the guys on our, on our top seven uh, just cause like we've been a little more used to that stuff. So we kind of try to just, you know, like Acer and I, we just kind of try to like joke around and stuff before the race, stay loose, you know, in the end, it's just like, a, it's just a race. So like, it's not like a, you're not, you know, it's not like a death sentence or anything. So no reason to be like scared. Um, so we like to, I mean, I remember on, on race day at, at, uh, Charlottesville, I think we were like, I mean, I normally like to, uh, take over the music. Cause like, otherwise, you know, someone's going to put on AirPods, someone's going to take a speaker and like start blasting like rap music or like rock music, like just to like fire themselves up, which I think is just a terrible idea. Like, that's just a great way to like, to freak out before a race and get like the heart rate up. So this year I took over and played reggae. Um, year before I took over in uh, Stillwater and played like retail music, like type of shit you'd hear at Old Navy and stuff. So like I always like to play stuff that's just gonna like that's just chill. Um, that's basically my my strategy before a race is just the to cool uh, cool everyone down, uh, including myself because it you know I I get nervous too. Um, so it's always nice to just li- just hang out with your teammates, listen to some chill music. You go through a K two twenty nine. Take me through the the next nine K. Oof. I mean, next nine K was just yeah, uh, not un unrelenting. So basically, the opposite of of uh, Nutty Comb. I mean, just stuff going on all the time. Like hard to even remember. I mean, lot lots of moves being thrown in, and like you'll you'll be able to like watch back the race and see stuff like that. I mean, Drew Bosley was you know hitting the lead a bunch, keeping everything honest. Um, even though the race would have, would have probably been honest anyways. Um, so he was making the race not easy for anyone. Um, you know, the, the, the main big move came like around, uh, must've been like, must've been like six, uh, six or seven K maybe, um, going up the, up the, up the hill. Um, like the two OSU guys, Brian and, and Dennis like had a huge surge. I mean, and that was probably like the, the biggest part of the race was, you know, covering that, I basically just had to sprint. Um, and, you know, I, and then a few other guys came up with us, like Haptum and Kai. Um, and then that's like when the real, the real racing got started was, was once we got up that hill and, and took the turn, um, just like oof, rolling hills. Um, you know, Kai took the lead at one point, pushed the pace, and then Haptum took the lead at one point, pushed the pace. Um, and that's basically how it was all the way up to 9K. So, Basically, by 9K, it thinned down to me, just me and Habtum. At what point in the race did you realize you were going to win it? Was it the final steps? Was it when you crossed the finish line? Was it a K out? When did you realize, like, hey, yeah. this is going to this is gonna work out in the end? I mean, like I said, like, I just run, like, with a lot of fear. So I, I didn't realize, you know, I was going to win it until, like, almost crossing the line. Um, you know, I made my move with, like, a K to go. Um, and I probably knew, like, after a you know, 10 seconds or so I'd, I'd gotten a good amount of room on Habton cause I could, I couldn't hear him breathing or running anymore. Um, 
And, you know, sometimes I can tell if someone's close to me by, by how loud people are cheering. Um, or like if, you know, there's, if, you know, for Haptum, this, for instance, like if there's like a, a New Mexico guy on the, on the sideline, um, I can like tell like how far away Haptum is by how that person cheers for him. Um, so I, I knew I had a little bit of daylight, um, but I didn't really think I was going to win until I turned around, like with like, um, with like maybe like 30 meters to go. Uh, cause you still had to go up that little, that little sharp hill with like a hundred, 200 meters to go. And, you know, I had no idea at that point, like if it was going to break me or if like Hapton was just going to fly up it, um, and be able to outkick me down the stretch. So, um, didn't really realize I was going to win until like basically the very end. So definitely wasn't anything resembling like a victory lap. What were the feelings and emotions crossing the finish line, realizing you just won your first NCAA title? I mean, a lot, a lot of gratitude, uh, you know, for basically everything. I mean, like, it was amazing to have, like, you know, it was in the race was in Virginia and, and my family is basically from the Southeast region. And like, so is, so are all my friends. So, um, had a bunch of them there, um, from like all over the years, um, that I've been running. So tons of gratitude that they were even able to be there, um, and to be able to win in front of them, you know, in front of basically like almost, it almost felt like a home crowd for me just cause I had, so many people supporting me. Um, and then, you know, also for my, for my teammates, like so happy to like win that for them. Um, you know, it almost, I said, it's, it almost, it just feels like a team victory because we, you know, it's, that's not something that I've achieved on my own by any measure. Like it just having those guys to, to, uh, that have pushed me over the past like three years, only accountable, um, you know, and then also felt, you know, happy to get, get Gibby a, a national title too. Cause he's, He's a great coach, so um, pretty cool to to win something under his training. And and my high school coach was there as well. So like the t- the two geniuses, you know, that got me here. So just a ton of ton of gratitude. And I think that's what anyone will tell you who who has won a, like a national title or, or a big race like that. Two ish weeks later, you run the indoor five k in the in the hometown, not quite home. What's becoming more of the hometown, Boston, thirteen oh three. Take me through this race, what it meant to you. Yeah, I mean that was really cool. Uh, obviously um you know i always say like the the bu race after the season is is something that's not not a whole lot of pressure um it does suck the race is at like 7 p.m uh actually no later than that it might have been like i don't even remember um so i just like sit in my dorm room all day just like steaming like getting like ready to run so that part sucks but otherwise it's not a lot of pressure because, you know, the, the championship season's over, you know, wins don't really matter at this point. And it's also, you're, you're just so fit. It's just like, don't screw it up. Like, just, just go out there and like empty the clip, see what you have. Um, but yeah, like you said, like, you know, being at, being in Boston, like, oh, it's so, it's so awesome to get to run in front of, you know, a, a home crowd. Um, and to have like all those people supporting me, like it, it was, it was so cool. Um, to you know to be able to run that run a race like that and you know and, and the race itself wasn't super eventful i mean you know it was just like a um you know just paced pretty paced really paced really well to be honest so um they did a really uh, good job pacing it and then you know uh just kind of held on to the back and then ma- made my move, like last move with 400 meters to go um but super cool to like um take off the olympic standard um and super cool to run it in front of a home crowd I'm assuming I could guess your answer here, but I'll ask it anyways. Which one means more to you, the NCAA win, championship win, or the NCAA record? 
Yeah. Yeah, I mean, titles last forever, you know? That record might not last a month. We'll see. So, uh, super, yeah, title for sure. Title for sure. I got to ask you, Graham, what's more impressive, the win and then two weeks later the record or Napoleon Dynamite's dance routine? (laughs) Napoleon Dynamite's dance routine. I mean, I've I've seen how hard it is myself. Uh, I told you about, did I tell you about last time how I had a, my friend and I tried out for the talent show? I think so, but run it back for okay, the new yeah. listeners. Yeah, yeah. So like, mid- I think it was in middle school. My friend and I tried out for the you know the the ending scene of Napoleon Dynamite, which is just him <laughs> up on stage uh, dancing after Pedro made his like campaign statement or something. Um, luckily, I was just Pedro, so like all I had to do was memorize the memorize the speech and, and throw on like a fake mustache. Um, but my friend, geez, dude, it's like a it's a long dance routine and it's, it's, it's pretty impressive too. Like, I mean, the, the guy, Napoleon, that guy can move. I mean, he's got some hips, like he can, he, he's loose with it. Like, um, and you know, my friend tried, but I don't, I don't he probably didn't match it. Cause we did, we were like one of the only, uh, talents to basically get cut from the talent show. So <laughs> we never got to perform in front of the home crowd. So I would say Napoleon, yeah, that those dance moves are, are mad impressive. On a more serious note, I feel like, Every person listening right now who hasn't made it to the NCAA yet, like a younger listener, wants to do exactly what you just did. Like, it is the dream to win a title. It's the dream to set a record. It's the dream to have everyone say your name and talk about you and um, maybe not do a thousand interviews like you have. That that part of the job is maybe not as fun. But it's the dream to do a lot of the things you have. What would you say to, I mean, we have, like, you know, national champions listen to this, you know, podcast. The winner of NXN, Foot Locker, they listen. Like, what would you say to the people listening who want to be Grand Blanks one day, who want to do the things you've done? Like, what does it take? I mean, uh, I mean, like, I feel like we touched on it earlier. Like, uh, you know, it's like the only reason I've, I've achieved this stuff is just like my consistent consistency in my training, like being able to, uh, you know, cut out all the distractions, uh, you know, around, around campus or, or whatnot. Um, you know, being able to sleep, being able to train at a high level for like multiple years. Um, obviously that's helped me get, get to, uh, to where I am. So like, if you even want to have a, if you want to have a shot at this type of stuff, like you got to be consistent with your training. Um, and you know, you got to be really committed to the program. Um, but it's also like, like I said, like, and it's like not an, it's an answer that like, is kind of boring, but like, like I, I have gotten like really lucky. So, um, you know, you never know what, like, which is something, you know, that you should take in stride because, like, if, if I got really lucky, like, who knows what you can achieve. So um, you might as well give it your best shot. Like, believe that you can achieve these things um, and give it a try because you never know. Trust me, if, if this guy right here can run 1303, you know, anyone can. So I'm just a normal dude. Um, so, you know, just be consistent with training and, and understand, you know, who knows, like, a- anything is possible. So, um, yeah, I guess I guess that's my advice. Grim, I got to ask you, uh, not sure how much you can speak on this, but, you know, uncovering the tea for the listener. Everyone and their mother has signed an NIL deal except Graham Blanks. What's the reasoning behind this? Is it like you're planning on going pro in the summer, so it doesn't really make that much sense? Like, spill the tea on this. No, I'm definitely not uh, planning on going going pro yet. Um, I, ha- I have signed an NIL deal, uh, and that should be out in, like, a week, maybe. Okay. Um. Yeah, I feel bad for you because all my all my stuff is like right over the corner, so you would know where I signed. Um, but no, I, it was something I, I've been working on for a little while, um, 
you know, I, I have an agent, Matt Soddenfield, um, from like Flynn, Flynn sports management. So he, he's been great. Um, you know, and we've been, you know, I, we've been like, you know, nego- he's been negotiating stuff for like a while now. So he's, he's done a great job. Um, so this is something that's been in the works for like a few months. So, um, it's definitely not an e- like a easy process, uh, by any means, I, I would imagine for what he did. Um, but yeah, it's, it's nice to finally, um, put some pin on paper. Um, and that should be out on, that should be out pretty soon. I, I don't know when, when they, when we are going to announce or anything. Nice. Exclusive news for the listener. I love it. That's awesome. Yeah. Super exciting. How exciting does that feel? Like it's probably the first step towards actually, you know, when you win an NCAA title, it's like, you know, you're going to go pro, but it's still, I'm sure excited, as you said, to like put pen on paper. What does it mean to kind of have your dreams come to start to come to fruition in a small way? I mean, yeah, it's pretty cool. And like, I mean, with the, I remember being in high school, was it, maybe it was in high school when they were talking about, um, you know, adding this NIL stuff to, to college athletics. And like, I thought that was really cool. And like, I thought, you know, you know, I thought like, I didn't even believe like I could even like, you know, uh, get like a deal or anything. Like at the time I was just like, oh, that's cool. But like, it's going to be like the football players getting paid. Like no one really, you know, cares about uh or track or cross country or, or whatnot. But like, that's definitely not the case as you've seen, like all these people signing stuff. And, you know, I think that that's definitely an indicator that, you know, they bring, bring companies value. So it's pretty cool that like, uh, you know, these companies have, you know, figured out ways to, to use this NIL stuff. Um, and it's something I think is empowering the athletes as well. So something I think it's really cool. How do you feel like your recent success sets the expectation for the indoor and outdoor season? And what are some things you're looking to accomplish? Not even, it doesn't even have to be like, Oh, I want to run 1250, but even from like a process standpoint, things you want to get better at in the coming months. Yeah. I mean, I'm just, I'm an NCAA athlete. So like, I just want to, I just want to win. Uh, I mean, I want to try to win every race I'm in uh, just like continue to do that. I mean, that's always been the goal. So the, you know, the goal still doesn't change, but you know, obviously the expectations might be, a little higher for me, but you know, I, I personally understand like the competition is just unreal in the NCAA. So um, it takes a lot to continue to win. Um, I don't expect to continue to win like forever, but I'm, I'm definitely going to try. So um, that's basically still the goal. Just, just win, try to win races, you know, maybe hop in a, in a time trial type thing every now and then, but I think winning's a little more fun. Could we see first ever athlete to break 13? That's got to, not first ever athlete. Um, man, I'm aging myself. First ever NCAA athlete to break 13 while in the NCAA. Does that come across your mind? I mean, 1303 off of cross training, pretty remarkable. Mm-hmm. Or like even with that, even if you acknowledge that you can, like do you even really care about that because people will run faster inevitably one day? No, no, no. I mean, well, but you're still the first person that's to true. ever do it. So that's, that's true. That's really cool. But uh, yeah, I guess it's not something that um, – I'm like actively pursuing. I would love, I would love to have that, uh, that title, but, um, of being the first person to do it. But, you know, now, now that we're rolling on to like outdoor season and stuff, like I'm not, or indoor, well, indoors first and then outdoor season. Um, yeah, I'm not sure. Like to get, to get opportunities to be in those type of races is pretty rare. Um, so I, I don't know if we'll see that by the end of the year or not, but who knows? I mean, uh, we'll see, but it's not something like I'm really, I'm really trying to do, you know, I'm just trying to, you know, like, you know, qualify for qualify for nationals and stuff and then go try to win there and, you know, try to try to help my team win, you know, Ivy League championships and stuff. So still still like in that NCAA realm right now. Um, and then we'll go we'll get to the Olympic trials like after that. 
All I'm saying, I want to see Graham Blanks in the Mario Garcia Roma kind of spilled the tea on this on the podcast. OAC has got this massive 5K they're doing with like every guy on the OAC. I think all of them are going to break 13. I want to see Graham Blanks chop it up with is the Gardner Goose. It's at BU. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'll be there no matter what. I'll, I'll go watch. So, uh, <laughs> we'll see. I'm not sure if, I'm not sure if Gibby will let me go run another 5K. <laughs> I already got the qualifier. Yeah, so. very fair. Very fair. Graham, before we uh, wrap up, got to ask, uh, any thought, any percolating thoughts, philosophical thoughts these days you want to share with the people? Any things you're chewing on? Man, I kept, I keep telling people this just because I've been reading, uh, reading this one book for a while. People are, people are going to be able to tell I'm reading really slow though, because I, I keep talking about it. Um, and I'm, I'm still trying to finish it up. I was just reading before um, I hopped on here. Um, you know, talk about trying to manage the nerves before the race. Uh, I've been reading uh, Carl, like some Carl Sagan, which is just like some, you know, some astronomy type stuff. But this book's called The Pale Blue Dot, and it's about how, I mean, it's, you know, basically they took this photo on the Voyager satellite, you know, when it was almost about to exit our, when it was leaving our solar system, they turned the camera around and took a picture of Earth from who knows how many miles away. And it's just like a little blue, you know, pixel in, on the on the image. So, um I think that's something I kind of used um, throughout the end of the season when I started reading that book, like something that really puts things into perspective, just that, you know, in the end, we're just on this little, this little pale blue dot, you know, in the middle, in the middle of nowhere. And we're all, we're all just kind of hanging out here on this, you know, little place called earth. So um, no reason for me to get super nervous before, before a race or anything. So maybe that's a little bit of a nihilistic approach, but um, I think it's something that puts, puts things into perspective and, and grounds me a little bit. I love it. I would uh, respond to that, but I know that would make us go all day, and we'll save the phil- philosophical rabbit hole for, for next episode. <laughs> well, um, symposium. Yeah. Well, one final uh, subject I want to bring up to close out today's episode. You know, we're coming up on Christmas. It's the 21st of December. Pretty confident this will be up before Christmas. Um, so favorite Christmas memory in the Blanks household growing up? Hmm. Uh, I mean, I remember one time my uh, my brother got like a Greg Olson – Carolina Panthers jersey um, a few years back and he was he was so excited that he like you know put the jersey on jumped around got up like ran ran down the hall and back and he was wearing socks so he slipped and busted his head oh no uh, <laughs> I don't think he busted his head open but he definitely got like a little bit of a concussion which I'm sure Greg Olson is no stranger to so he got to <laughs> get to feel what it was like to be Greg Olson for a Christmas morning there you go Graham it's it's always a privilege and a pleasure speaking with you learning from you appreciate the conversation today keep crushing it and uh, I'm looking forward to round three whenever that is whether it's uh after a new philosophical um awakening for lack of a better way of putting it or uh running record winning a championship we'll chop it up soon again Merry Christmas thank you bro appreciate it for sure Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of the podcast. I don't take your time for granted, so I hope that it brought you some wisdom and value that you can apply directly into your running and into your life. If you have not already done so, please consider giving us a follow and a five-star review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. And then something all of you guys can do is share today's episode or the podcast in general with a friend or someone who you think will benefit from it. One more note, if you're not already following us on Instagram, consider doing so. My Instagram tag is at The Running Effect. I hope your running and life is going well. I appreciate you taking time out of your busy life to listen to today's episode. I will catch you in two days when the next episode drops. Until then, happy running.